You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A judge has slapped a hit and run driver with possibly the largest punitive damage award in Canada for blatant disregard of the laws, the road, and the legal process. The incident happened back in January of 2014, and it changed the victim's life forever. Ramina Dea has her reaction to the judgment and whether it could send a message going forward. Veronica Howell is an invisible victim. Looking at her, you'd never know the 26-year-old has permanent brain damage, profound pain, and PTSD. He was told to his face that he had killed me, and he heard it, and he, he still drove off. January 20th, 2014, it was rush hour in Vancouver. Leon Mackey drove his truck into oncoming traffic. He struck Howell, who was jaywalking, and then fled the scene. Mackey, who has numerous driving convictions, was behind the wheel even though his license was suspended. Criminal charges were never laid. Howell sued and won a civil suit in B.C. Supreme Court. It's socially irresponsible. We're living in a world where you can't just get away with, with hitting a young girl and then driving off and going to bed and sleeping fine at night, you know. The judge's ruling amounts to about $3 million in damages. And in a rare move, it also includes a precedent-setting award for $100,000 in punitive damages. To our knowledge, the $100,000 punitive damage award is the largest such award uh, in Canadian history for motor vehicle negligence. Significant because Mackey's been ordered to pay out of pocket for his share. The ruling setting the stage for other victims across the country, says Howell's lawyer. It sends a very clear message from the Supreme Court of British Columbia that this type of recklessness on our roads is unacceptable. Thank you very much. Mackey filed for bankruptcy, but Howell's lawyer plans to pursue every legal avenue to make sure he pays. For the former UBC student, the ruling isn't a win, but it is vindication. Now, with this ruling, um, I hope that it, you know, it shows future victims or people who have been in similar situations that there is hope. Romina Dea, Global News. And here's a look at how often hit and runs happen in this province. The latest numbers from ICBC only go up to 2015, but you can see the numbers are still shocking. The five-year average, 49,000 incidents slightly up in 2015. The lower mainland accounting for the bulk of those numbers, including 1,600 injuries and five deaths. Now to the weather. And even though we've had a mild fall so far, the season will really be making itself felt this week. Two storms are expected to bring heavy rain and wind. And Aaron MacArthur will have more now on what you can expect and how to prepare for it, Aaron. Yeah, Chris, it can be a little bit overwhelming when you consider how much rain is going to fall this week and then longer term for the rest of the winter. But for the average homeowner, preparation is fairly straightforward. For the appropriately named Rain City Renovations, pouring a foundation this time of year means pumping out water. Working in the monsoon, part of the gig. But come on, you're supposed to do this in the, in the summer when you don't get soaked. Sure. That's why they pay you the big bucks or what? It's the end of the pleasant fall. The miserable part of the season starts right now. Rain tonight. More coming later in the week. Environment Canada pushing out a rainfall warning. The forecast is ugly. 
The highest amount of rain will be nearest the North Shore Mountains, about 30 to 50 millimeters with this first storm, mostly tonight and overnight, a little less near the border. And another shot of the same amount of rain likely on Wednesday, Wednesday night. This first real storm of the season will have its share of challenges, including the potential for downed trees. But the biggest issue might just be the leaves. The storm will strip trees, and that means blocked catch basins. Cities across the region warning people to stay on top of debris and prevent localized flooding. People are prepared and resigned. Winter is coming. The rain? You ready for this? Oh, yeah. The weather's been awesome. People are still riding their bikes, and uh, it's been long days at the bike shop, so we're happy to see a rainy day and get a little breather. Well, I've got to come out here, rain or shine, right? So. True enough. <laughs> True enough. So I just kind of got to lump it. Keep the brawlies handy. It's going to be a long, dark, wet couple of months. Now, the city of Vancouver has 44,000 catch basins across the city. And if you're worried that it's going to be blocked, you can call 9 or 311 rather to get that sorted out. But it's a really easy process. They're fairly small. It just takes a couple minutes' work to make sure the leaves are out of the way, the water flows, and everyone benefits. Chris, Sophie. Yeah better if we get out there and do it ourselves, no doubt. Thanks very much, Aaron. And we'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with more on the timeline and how this all breaks down. Christy. Thanks so much, Chris. Well, certainly some localized flooding could be a problem with all of the rain that's headed our way. We are just on the lower edge of this first storm. It is going to slump to the south and continue to target the south coast, mainly overnight tonight. Metro Vancouver will see 30 to 50 millimeters of rain with winds 40 to 60 kilometers an hour. Now, tomorrow morning, the rain will ease off a little bit, but the winds will continue. And there's plenty of warnings still to tell you about, including one for the lower mainland with gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. I'll show you which one. I come back. Sounds good. Thanks, Christy. Some good news tonight involving Halloween decorations at a Maple Ridge townhouse complex. After decorating for years, residents were recently told by the new owners that it all had to come down. But as Grace Key reports, after Global News got involved, there seemed to be a change of heart. They said we can keep them up to November 2nd. That's awesome. That's all we wanted. Halloween almost got spooked away at the Brookside Gardens townhouse complex in Maple Ridge. Are you um, looking different um, ways? Then it will turn into something else. On Sunday, residents spoke with Global News about a letter they got from their new landlords, Caprete. It asked renters to take down their Halloween decorations by 9 a.m. Monday or else they would be removed and disposed of by the landlord. We all sit at the end of our carports, Make wait chilly. for all the kids we come in. The deadline came and went with residents standing their ground. Management arrived and instead of taking the decorations down, they went door to door putting up notices. Trust that the rationale behind the original decisions to have decorations removed was without malicious intent and believed to be for the good of property safety of residents. I'm happy for the kids and everything else that now we get to, you know, have our Halloween and hopefully have our Christmas too. Capri did not return calls to Global News. According to the Ministry of Housing, the Residential Tenancy Act does not deal with outside decorations, but it can be included in a tenancy agreement. A landlord may only change or add a term in the agreement with the consent of the tenant, and new landlords would be obligated under the terms of any pre-existing agreement. It's going to be a blast this year. Because we're so happy, it's going to be a big party now. Grace Key, Global News. 
And if that made you shake your head, students at a new school in Winnipeg have been told not to wear costumes to school. Instead, administration has decided to hold four different themed dress-up days during the week where Halloween falls. October 31st itself will be tie-in scarf day. And while parents argue it's not fair to deny their kids the tradition, the principal at the kindergarten to grade 8 school says it's in order to avoid costumes that are too scary or inappropriate. Crews scrambled to prevent a fire at Broadway near Manitoba from spreading to nearby businesses. It broke out late last night, consuming the African Arts and Drum Store. And if not for alert witnesses, it could have been a lot worse. Jeff Hastings reports. This time, there's no wondering why there are sirens in the distance. A two-alarm West Broadway blaze raging late into an October evening. It was a very huge fire, very huge. It was, it was like the fire was going up to the sky. People were like screaming and running away. The African Arts and Drum Store is a total loss. No one is injured, but three people who lived in apartments above the business are homeless. That's crazy. The whole building comes down. It's so risky, so scary. A firefight all about containment, saving buildings on either side. To the east, a pub with apartments above it. And all of a sudden, uh, get a big bang on the door, and uh, it's one of the employees from downstairs. They tell us what's going on. Took a look out the window, and yeah, you saw the blaze, and we just uh, grabbed a few things, and now we're out here. By midnight, it's clear the 30 to 40 firefighters on scene have saved the neighbors. They did a great job uh, containing the fire to the building, uh, just taking care of the exposures. Uh, quick action by them stopped it from spreading. Daylight doesn't bring obvious answers for investigators. How the drum store, a fixture on West Broadway for years, caught fire isn't clear. I've been inside and um, seen the place and very cool, very cool guys, very nice people. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Vancouver's mayor is confirming to Global News he will be running again in 2018. But if the by-election held over the weekend is any indication, Vision has a lot to work on before then. The NPA's candidate won that seat handily. Tanya Beja has a look at what happened and the road ahead. We're going to be opening up a lot of uh, housing in Vancouver, I think. It's, we're going to get to buildings. Hector Bremner is ready to get to work, tackling the housing goals he campaigned on. We have to build the housing we need, where we need it, in the volume we need it, and at the speed we need it. The nonpartisan association candidate won the only vacant seat at Vancouver City Hall in a by-election revolving largely around issues of affordability. Working people are being forced out of the city. There is no place for them, and they're frustrated. Voters turned out in small numbers Saturday, only 11% casting ballots. But they delivered Vancouver's ruling party a significant blow. Vision Vancouver candidate Diego Cardona came in fifth. Political watchers say it's a critique of the party that promised change when it rose to power nearly a decade ago. They were going to somehow deal with the issues of homelessness as well as unaffordability. But yet I think that the results have been somewhat ambiguous. The city doesn't have all the tools. Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson acknowledges the shortcomings and says stronger relationships at the provincial and federal level will improve outcomes. Well, we're about to uh, regulate Airbnb and empty homes tax has kicked in this year. So a lot of it is hitting now. And, uh, and we have a new B.C. government that I think is going to be a really good partner on affordable housing. So I, I hope we're at a turning point. 
Vision Vancouver now has a year to turn the tide. Robertson says he wants another chance to be mayor. My plan is to run again in 2018 and, uh, and keep the momentum going. Tanya Beja, Global News. Policing is a tough job, and while we've seen some rare examples of officers crossing the line, a new video circulating shows some of the abuse they're subjected to on what they say is a daily basis. In three months, I make what you make in a year. That's good to Okay, hear. you're gonna jealous for, from you the brown boys. No. Yeah, you guys are. That's why I'm giving you the Fucking ticket. White cops, you guys are gonna. Yeah. You, so you say you don't need a You have a good night. You have a good night. No, bitch. That's one young man's reaction after transit police pulled him over a couple of days ago in Surrey for speeding, demanding to see the radar gun reading and questioning the motives of the officers. The restraint and professionalism that they displayed was quite remarkable considering the abuse, the verbal abuse they were taking from, from both of these young men in the vehicle. Um, throughout the entire encounter, they just continued about uh, their business, doing their job appropriately, were incredibly polite in response to the abuse that they were taking, issued the ticket and left the area. The entire video is available on our website. And if you're wondering, transit police can issue speeding tickets or any other traffic violation they happen to witness. They train with all other municipal police officers and have the same powers and know they are not required to show you the radar reading. On Vancouver Island, Courtney's mayor has been fielding irate phone calls and emails, even death threats, after RCMP raids temporarily shut down a pot dispensary in the community. Nitu Garcha explains why the mayor was targeted and the other groups now coming forward saying they've experienced hostility too. Courtney Mayor Larry Jangula says he never expected this. The former police officer says he started getting emails and calls, some to his personal phone, hours after the raid of a local marijuana dispensary nearly two weeks ago. Somehow there's an impression out there that the mayor's office is directing the police on who to investigate. The store, called Leaf Compassion, is the first one to pop up in the city. Its owner is defiant, reopening the day after the raid and filling shelves with even more stock. You really can't stop somebody like me. But since a second raid late last week, the shelves have remained empty. And while Leaf Compassion, which has four other locations across the island, did encourage its supporters to contact Courtney City Hall, it's not defending what some said. It's very unfortunate of what's going on with the death threats. We do not condone this. We've never told anybody on our team to say anything like this at all. But the threats don't come as a surprise to the national director of a nonprofit opposed to legalization. Well, I had the personal cell phone number of the head of the drug narcotics squad at one point. He was so concerned about my safety. Pamela McCall says she and the group Smart Approaches to Marijuana have also been targeted, along with many others. They were talking on Facebook of accosting people in their homes, of accosting people at their workplaces. I've heard from a lot of parent groups who are too frightened to go to a city hall meeting. As Courtney City Council opens discussions on business license and zoning changes for dispensaries. Until such time as they're actually legal, we're, we're not allowing them. Jangula says he plans to step back from the talk so people can hear directly from council without any influence from him. Meantime, RCMP are investigating the threats made against him. Nitu Garcha, Global News. Thousands of visitors and locals alike have been wondering when ride-sharing will come to Vancouver. Uber has already cruised the streets doing tests, and today, word of a big announcement from the NDP government had hopes up that it's coming sooner rather than later. 
But you'll see why that didn't go quite as some had hoped. What's coming instead of ride sharing in just over a minute. We'll, we'll give you time. Oh, who cares about the fish? <laughs> Killer whales so close you can hear them breathe. How these boaters describe the feeling of this surprise encounter off the B.C. coast. Coming up. And it's not exactly a hot spot for Hollywood star spotting, where Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray popped up for pizza later on the news hour. But first, hurry up and wait is the catchphrase for any frustrated commuter hoping to catch a cab at peak times. And apparently it also applies to anyone hoping for an Uber alternative. After a lackluster announcement today from the provincial government on ride-sharing, Ted Trenecki explains why the frustration continues for at least another year. If you are hoping for some relief from that perennial problem of can't find a taxi from early December onwards, you're out of luck. There will be no ride-sharing this year. The NDP have some doubts, and when in doubt, consult. I'm confident that Dr. Harris' expertise will be invaluable to government as we move forward as we move the industry forward and move on modernization. The problem is the new consultant, hired at a cost of $165,000, isn't new at all. This is the same Dr. Hara who did the study for Vision Vancouver in 2015, correct? I think, I think there's only one Dr. Hara, yes? Yeah. Did you generally agree with what Hara recommended in 2015? I have to admit I have not read in detail Dr. Hara's report. The minister was asked why she thought Dan Harrow would come up with anything different than what's in his 53-page report to Vancouver City Council. Vancouver is, uh, is not the whole province, although Vancouver may think it is sometimes. We've got to look at what's happening in Prince George, in Campbell River, in Cornell. We've got to look at right around the province. Public and driver safety is paramount, according to the minister. Last month, the city of London, England, refused to renew Uber's license after a sexual assault of a passenger was not reported to police. The driver went on to attack again. Uber will not address the public safety issue. Why uh, London should go back and say, hey, you don't serve the purpose of the public safety. In a statement, Uber Canada today expressed concern that ride-sharing companies do not appear to be part of the study announced today, and the public is predictably impatient. The, I get the, you know, the fear that the taxi industry has, but I really think that there's room for both. I suppose they have to jump through the hoops, but it still seems like a long time. But the sooner, the better. The NDP was the only party to specifically promise a share ride program by 2017. That clearly isn't going to happen. Ted Trenecki, Global News. A different kind of problem in Surrey has sparked a grassroots drive to clean up at least part of the city. As Sonia Diol reports, the person behind the cleanup campaign isn't going to let the fact that she's still in elementary school slow her down. For promoters in Surrey, this is free advertising. From BC hydro poles to fences, huge posters up everywhere. The local community says they're a real eyesore. It doesn't look nice. We have to have neat and clean BC. It's look messy, yeah. And nine-year-old Dea has also had enough. Disappointed and angry. So she decides to set up a group called... Keep Canada Clean. And now they've got a team. Hello, my name is Happy. My name is Lakhvir Singh. I'm Kuldeep Chahal. Jaspal. Parminder Tradiwal. Kebal Heer. Devinder Kang. Off they go on their big mission, ripping down as many posters as they can. Putting these posters up is actually illegal, a $200 fine if you get caught. But it's the getting caught part that's proving to be the real challenge for bylaw officers. 
And it isn't as simple as writing a ticket to the person whose phone number is on the poster. We have to have officers provide evidence which indicates the individual ticket it is the individual who actually put the poster up. So it does become difficult to enforce. Something we put to the test, finding out no one wants to own up to putting their ads up. Do you know how that sign got up there on the BC Hydro poll? I uh, can have a look at it. You don't know if you guys put this sign up? And as I said, that I can look into it and find out. Did you put that up here? Uh, I don't remember now. So while it looks like the posters will just keep appearing, nine-year-old Dea, hoping her message about taking pride in your community will be louder. You should take them off um, or because other people are looking at us for to um, a set example. Sonia Diol, Global News. The future of a prime stretch of Steveston waterfront locked in a stalemate. I, I've, I've never seen a, a developer play hardball like this one before. A basically brand new commercial building empty for years. Why the developer and city are in such a standoff. And attention Sears shoppers. The day your extended warranty expires is a lot closer than you think. What you can do about it next. It seems hard to believe, but for the past four summers, prime real estate space, or pardon me, retail space along the boardwalk in popular Steveston Village in Richmond has sat empty. It's the byproduct of a long-running battle between the city and the developer. And now, as Kristen Robinson reports, a proposed solution is going before the public tonight. You're looking at a stalemate on the Steveston waterfront. 60,000 square feet of prime commercial real estate sitting empty for more than four years. I think that it's a shame. I would like to start seeing them being used. The vacant storefronts on this famous boardwalk, only zoned for marine-based businesses. Part of the deal when Ani's Imperial Landing Development proposal was approved by Richmond City Council. After multiple failed attempts to rezone to regular retail, Ani now proposing a 32-room hotel along with retail and office space. The hotel option is a good solution. It actually adds to the village rather than competes with it. The original plan for the Ani site was maritime mixed use, which they built, and a marina out in front, which the city was going to build, and we're not getting that. You know, this has been a contentious process for a lot of years. Ani and the city deadlocked over the future of this stretch of Bayview Street. The sticking point, how much the land value would increase with the proposed rezoning. 4.1 million by Ani's estimates, 5.5 million if you ask the city. Ani using 4.75 million as the midpoint and offering half of that or close to 2.4 million in cash to Richmond. Fair is fair. They shouldn't get a 50% discount because they're Ani. I've never seen a developer play hardball like this one before. In my opinion, the, the community contribution should be 100% of the lift. Ani says its offer is in line with other major Metro Vancouver municipalities, which tend to seek in the range of 50 to 75%. And Ani thinks it's reasonable to allocate 50% of the estimated increase in property value toward an amenity contribution such that both parties benefit equally. The rezoning debate will go to the public before council makes a final decision. It's probably one of the most valuable properties on the west coast of North America. We don't have the opportunity to get this wrong. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
The Justin Trudeau government made an announcement today to try to quell the anger over its tax reform plans. The prime minister using a pizzeria to announce the small business tax rate will drop from 10.5 percent to 10 percent in January of 2018 and then down to 9 percent in 2019. The decision comes after the liberals were lambasted for earlier proposals to change the tax system in ways critics said would hurt small business and employee discounts. Supporting small businesses who need that support and making sure that our tax system is fair. That's exactly what we're doing this week. Without this uh, uh, opposition and, and to his proposals, I don't believe that they would have done this. I believe this is a response to a political crisis. Now, a quick reminder about your chance to win the ultimate rugby fan experience. Tickets to the HSBC 7's Rugby Weekend Tournament here in Vancouver in March. They say it's a tournament, but really it's a giant party. <laughs> and you'll also get airfare and tickets to the tour stop in Hong Kong, too. Total prize valued at $9,000. Be listening to the news hour for the code word. And then just go to our website to enter for your chance to win. That's coming up a little bit later in the news hour. In the meantime, the next big challenge in recycling. Last year, we got 49,000 cups in four hours. A solution that might add a nickel to the cost yeah. of a coffee, but would you be willing to pay more? And daring escape. Why this guy had no choice but to exit his vehicle in the middle of the California firestorm. In Consumer Matters tonight, a bombshell announcement from Sears that could affect millions of people who own Sears products. Our consumer reporter, Andrew, joins us now with the details. And Yeah, I wish I had better news, but unfortunately I don't. Thanks, you too. When Sears announced last week it will be closing its remaining 131 stores, the big question was what would happen to the warranties on Sears products. The corporation announcing today that extended warranties won't be honored after Wednesday of this week. In a press release, the company said after October 18th, Sears will no longer be in a position to honor Sears protection agreements to customers. Customers who purchase extended warranties will now only get the original manufacturer's warranty, which is usually one year. The Better Business Bureau says there's not much consumers can do. There is really only one thing they can do, and that's to try and get on to the list of creditors that, that the trustee uh, throughout the liquidation process would be involved in. Now, you've got to ask your, yourself if that's uh, worth your time and effort, because it's going to be a, obviously a, a lengthy um, process to liquidate the corporation. And you've got to ask yourself whether um, it's going to be worth your while to try and get that money back. Sears also says customers who bought an extended warranty in the past 30 days will be able to get refunds, but if you bought one before that, you're simply out of luck. As for repairs, Sears says it's looking for a buyer for its repair service, but there's no one at this point. And one more important piece of advice, if you have Sears gift cards or Sears club points, make sure you use them during the liquidation process, which starts on Thursday. And if you have a consumer-related issue for me, you can always email me at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. All right. Thank you very much, Anne. Well, what do you do with your coffee cup when you're finished that latte? If you're like most people, it goes into the garbage, plastic lid and all. The number of cups that end up in the trash in Vancouver alone is staggering, even though many are compostable. And now an organization that has firsthand experience with the problem is calling for action. <laughs> 49th Parallel takes pride in their freshly ground coffee. I've a flower to go. In a convenient 
compostable cup. We want to make sure that people can throw them in the compost. They don't end up going to the landfill. Hard not to get a little steamed when those cups still end up in the trash. Obviously, that's not what we want. While disposable cups have been allowed in British Columbia blue bins for two years, just ask binners if that's where they end up. In the garbage, laying on the side of the road, you know, down the alleys. So once a year, the Binners Project offers cash for old cups. And there's your $20. Collecting tens of thousands in Vancouver in just a few hours. Seven, eight, nine, ten. So even five cents would make a massive difference, not just for the recycling, but also for people that need this extra cash. And the incentive is there. In the city of Vancouver alone, 136 million single-use cups are sent to the landfill every year. It makes us feel like there's a lot of work to do, for sure, and uh, really encouraging people to uh, not just recycle, but to reduce as much as possible when they're using the cups. Instead of fundraising all year to make a dent in the problem, the Binners Project hoping the province will start charging a recycling deposit on all disposable cups. The city of Vancouver is very progressive and very keen to get the conversation going, so now we just need the discussion to go higher into the provincial government. If a nickel isn't enough coin to get coffee drinkers to toss their cups in the right place, binners say they'll be happy to profit all year round. There you are. This is the best idea they ever came up with. Get it done every day. No matter who collects, advocates say after two years of people not getting the message, it's time to deliver a much-needed jolt to the system to keep those to-go cups out of the trash. John Hua, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a new U.S. study says a healthy lifestyle can reduce a woman's risk of heart disease after gestational diabetes. Researchers found that women who had diabetes during pregnancy were more likely to develop cardiovascular disease later in life. But those who ate a healthy diet, exercised, and didn't smoke in the years after giving birth actually lowered their risk. I'll give them. Wicked weather hits the Emerald Isle. The storm of the century batters the coast of Ireland. And look who popped in for a visit. The two comedians who gave an Ontario shop owner more than a laugh. A little pizza joint in an Ontario town gets a visit from two comedy legends. We've got that story coming up after the forecast. But first, perhaps the most riveting video yet of an escape from the California wildfires. Oh my God, dude, we can't... As oh two God, roommates dude. flee the inferno, one of them leaves the safety yeah, of their the SUV left. to open, open the a gate. gate. Open the gate. I can't breathe. My eyes are burning too, dude, but we still got oxygen, so we're not dead yet. We're on the road, we're on the road. The two drive away with flames on all sides and even the road catching fire. They did make it out, though, having to crash through another gate to get to safety. Amazing they kept it rolling the whole time. Now a deadly tropical storm hits a nation that's mostly unprepared for extreme weather. At least three people have died in Ireland after the remnants of Hurricane Ophelia hit the southern part of the country. Winds of 130 kilometers an hour caused power outages, major damage and flight cancellations. Ireland is 
Unaccustomed to this kind of weather, this was the worst storm in a half century. Nasty. And as we talked about earlier on this evening, uh, it's the start of the miserable weather season. Christy Gordon joins us now. I hear it's hard rain outside now, Christy. Yes, it's definitely covered all of the South Coast. And this is the first of two storms, as we talked about earlier. Before I move on, participation helping Canada celebrate 150 years. Today's suggestion for you is pillow fight. Yeah, Go I'm home. In. You're, I'm in. It's, Galist is in, apparently. Okay, tons of warnings to tell you about. Uh, I'm going to focus in on the lower mainland, but there are warnings across the province. So let's have a look at them, starting off with the rain. So hardest hit areas will be the North Shore, extending all the way to Maple Ridge, areas included uh, Coquitlam, Port Moody, Port uh, Coquitlam as well. Another 55 millimeters of rain. We expect this to ease off tomorrow morning. Uh, Metro Vancouver, 35, with winds 40 to 60 kilometers an hour. The strongest of the storm will happen overnight for these areas here. But in terms of the winds, the strongest winds will be early tomorrow morning, especially out in the Fraser Valley with gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour potentially. And you'll see those through the morning hours. Backing out and looking at the rest of uh, the um, south coast. So central coast, inland sections as well. West coast of Vancouver Island, 50 millimeters of rain. Victoria and the southern Gulf Islands, also a wind warning. Gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. But I want you to know that all of these areas including Sunshine Coast and other parts of Vancouver Island. You're not part of the warning, but it will be stormy in your area as well. You'll see heavy rain at times, especially overnight tonight, and the gusts of wind early tomorrow morning. And you can see how widespread this storm is, extending into the interior regions as well. The areas of concern now are the Columbia region, over towards the Thompson area, because we're going to see very strong winds, heavy rain through that area, but also thunderstorms tomorrow morning. So gusty winds in the these areas and potential squall lines with snow at higher elevations. As this system drops to the south, the snow line is going to drop. So we're expecting significant snow potentially on the uh, areas like Rogers Pass and higher mountain elevations uh, through the afternoon hours tomorrow. In terms of the winds, the strongest winds will happen through the early morning hours. We talked about that for the south coast, but that extends all the way, Merritt, Kamloops, and up into that eastern section that I was just mentioning there. So a very stormy next 12 hours. Things ease off late tomorrow, but then another storm on deck on Wednesday. So this is your tomorrow. A rain for the north coast, but the stormy conditions extend from Prince George all the way down through Williams Lake, Kamloops, Revelstoke, Golden. We'll also see wind and rain all across these southern regions. Hope included in that. You have the strong winds up to 90 kilometers an hour. Breaks of sunshine towards the end of the day tomorrow, but it won't last long. As I mentioned, that next storm pushes in on Tuesday night through our Wednesday with wet, windy conditions once again. Okay, some birthdays for you. Happy birthday to Albert Wells. Olga John's turning 105 and Bessie Tratch also celebrating 100 years. Veronica and Harold Floor celebrating 70 years together and one look back at our beautiful Sunday. English Bay, Rick Voice sent us this shot of some uh, sailors out there. Great shot. Thanks, Rick. Hold that memory in your memory bank. You're going to need it over the next few days. That's right. Sounds like. Thanks, Christy. A pizza parlor in a small eastern Ontario town had a visit from some famous guests over the weekend. Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray dropped into the pizza place in Harrowsmith. A photo of the visit has been shared thousands of times now. Aykroyd is apparently a regular customer and decided to stop in after his 1940 Buick overheated. Well, the pair stayed for dinner, asking that the TV be switched to the game with Murray's beloved Chicago Cubs. 
wow, this is neat. This is cool. Like I've seen uh, Mr. Ackroyd a lot, but uh, seeing Mr. Murray was 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 quite interesting. And I didn't think uh, I shared it on our Facebook page, and it just got huge. So yeah, they got pizza, lasagna, salads, drinks. It was, uh, it was it was cool. And then amazing. They, and then they did some ghost busting. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Good be. <laughs> did did Bill Murray have a little Canadian flag on his chest? I didn't notice. I see. Maybe. It's appropriate. It is appropriate. Yeah. Nice to see you, Squire. What you working on? Nice to be seen. Uh, oh. You know, the Lions, little uh, He-Man reference here. Uh, the Lions were supposed to be the mighty battle cast this year, but lately they've been more like Cringer. Especially We've had time of possession, but we haven't been able to score the points and uh, eliminate the turnovers. They don't have the power. Now they're in a position where the playoffs are almost out of reach for the first time since the 90s. Also ahead, they didn't catch any fish, but they captured something much more valuable in this once-in-a-lifetime whale encounter. Today's ultimate rugby fan contest code word is TACKLE. Go online and enter the code word for your chance to win. Tune in to Global News Hour at 6 tomorrow for another chance to win. I've learned so much about your little animated He-Man. show, He-Man, that I didn't know before. Beware Skeletor. Yeah, he's the bad guy. That was my nickname in high school, you know. <laughs> if I take my shirt off, it'll be my nickname, too. Uh, Michael Chaput is back with the Vancouver Canucks. He was the winner of the Who Replaces Louis Erickson Derby. A lot of people thought Nikolai Godolbin should have been called up. He's been scoring down in Utica, but he didn't get the call. They went with Chaput instead, who actually played 68 games for the Canucks last season. The center doesn't score a lot of goals, mind you. Uh, neither does Louis Erickson. In fact, Erickson has been invisible, so you probably won't notice that he's hurt. And that's not the way it should be for a $6 million a year forward. He's out with a knee injury, was shoved in the net on Saturday by Tanner Glass. No word on how long he'll be out for. He has been a huge disappointment since he was signed last summer. And quite frankly, if he does nothing this year, the Canucks may have to think about buying him out. Uh, one more note about tomorrow's game in Ottawa. Eric Carlson is scheduled to play for the Senators. His first game this season has been out with an injury. But what is surprising is without Carlson, the Senators have been playing great. In fact, they beat the Canucks uh, at Rogers Arena last week. Okay. Wally World has not been a fun place to be the last couple of months. A sports miracle is needed for a Lions playoff berth now. The uh, most shocking part of all of this is just how bad the Lions offense has become. Even the players who play on that, uh, that offense cannot believe it. I'm really sick of the way the offense has underperformed. Jennings looks that way, now the other way, and Jonathan Jennings is going down. Brian Burnham's sentiments are shared by BC Lions fans who've watched the Leos come apart at the seams. BC's lost three straight and have now dropped seven of its last eight to be all but officially eliminated from the playoffs. We have so many great athletes and all-stars around the, uh, across the board on this offense, and we haven't been able to get it done. So that's what's mostly disappointing. Are you guys a beaten-down football team right now? Um, you know, I don't think we're a beaten-down football team, but we are uh, a team uh, with the circumstances of uh, we could have done more. Nobody likes to lose, and nobody likes to be in the position the Lions now find themselves in of needing Saskatchewan to lose their final three and BC winning its final three to make the playoffs. That includes the CFL's most winningest coach. This is Wally Bono's 25th year as a head coach. Of those two-plus decades in charge, he's finished the season with a losing record four times. 
Like I tell my wife the other day, if uh, I've been in football a lot of years, if I had more than one or two years like this, I, I think I would have got out of it. For the last month and a half, the biggest question surrounding the BC Lions was if they'd keep their playoff streak of 21 straight postseason berths alive. Now it's does the most successful coach in GM and Lions history return next season, or will someone else be manning the sidelines as foreign as that may be for Lions fans? If this is it, and this is how it ends, would it feel like unfinished business for you, going out and not making the playoffs? Well, you know what? Uh, not making the playoffs, no matter what happens, it will be extremely disappointing. Okay, extremely disappointing. I don't want to see him go out like this, and I hope he doesn't go out like this. You know, if things keep going the way they are, I hope he comes back next year and, you know, finishes on top like he deserves because he's given a lot to this league and a lot to this team and uh, definitely doesn't deserve to go out the way he's going out right now. Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers will have surgery on his broken right collarbone, and unless he heals like Deadpool... He is more than likely out for the year, meaning Brett Hundley is the Green Bay quarterback. The Packers are holding out faint hope that Rodgers could get back before the year is over, but the chances are slim. And the uh, Packers feel that it was an unnecessarily hard tackle that injured their superstar. He had thrown the ball and then was tackled. Now the Vikings say linebacker Anthony Barr was just finishing his tackle, and it was an unfortunate fall that caused the injury. Plus, when a quarterback leaves a pocket, he does lose certain protection rules and we should also mention there was no flag on this play Dodgers outfielder Yasiel Puig the wild horse does a lot of odd things during the course of a game he likes kissing his hitting coach on the cheek he likes flipping his bat kicking his leg at the plate he likes sticking out his tongue like he's Gene Simmons and apparently he likes licking the baseball bat for good luck watch him last night I hope that's. I hope he. I hope he sterilized before. But you know what I'm beginning to think? I'm beginning to think this bat has been coated with pumpkin spice, which of course is everybody's favorite fall flavor. 2017 is the year of. There you go, licking the bat, and he's still okay. Strange. That's that's his way of. uh, Enjoy your dinner, everyone. Good sportscast. There you go. Here's Jay Durant now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We'll have more reaction to the ride-sharing holdup. Local restaurants were counting on the service to help with the holiday rush. More on their frustration tonight. And a Kamloops man who has been put in an impossible situation after a mix-up had him legally declared dead. Now he has to fight to prove he's alive. You can imagine his surprise when he found a notification in the mailbox one day that said he no longer existed. We'll have that story tonight as well. Okay. Well, good to see him. Looks pretty alive to me. All right. Thanks very much, Jay. When we come back, we track down those boaters who had a -a once-in-a-lifetime whale-watching experience. That's next. Another spectacular whale encounter caught on video off the B.C. coast. But we're not talking about just one or two whales here. No. The the people on this fishing charter boat near Port Hardy estimated it was a pod of nearly 60 orcas. Take a look. We noticed that there were a lot of whales all of a sudden on the way. In fact, so many whales that we just stopped where we were because we couldn't get through. There were whales in front of us in every direction and turned off the engines and started drifting. And that's when the action began. But we now know why there were no fish where we were fishing. And uh, they just kept coming. It was a full hour 
of whales around us. As uh, other boats came, uh, you just everyone just stopped. It's indescribable, you know, when you have a moment like that. It's just amazing. That's the, all you can do is sort of your jaw drops in astonishment and you just watch. Jaw drops in astonishment. And Absolutely. <laughs> I know they don't do anything to humans, but I would think, boy, I hope they had enough fish to eat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of jaw-dropping, $1.24 million for Canuck Place Children's Hospice, raised awesome. at the Gift of Time Gala. Yes, thanks to everybody who gave, and especially a shout-out to Maureen, the mom who shared her story about daughter Angela. And... Yes, congratulations to our director, Justin Minchel, now known as Justin Sloan Minchel, because...